Welcome to another installment of the Weekly Impact Podcast. I am Brent Smith. Um, as always, I'm joined by Daniel Yelverton and Michael Miller. How are you guys doing this week? Great. I'm doing just fantastic. Wow. Did you get a <laughs> spokesman's job or something? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so, guys, today we are um, into 2 Corinthians 12. It is Tuesday, September 18th. And um, to set this up, uh, Michael's going to share a little bit of a thought that he had with us and uh, give us a little uh, context on where we're going today. Yeah, I, I always love talking about how context is king. And, and just before we get into chapter 12, I, I got to set this up because, to be honest, some of this is kind of hilarious. But... So keep in mind, first off, I have to make a correction. I said something last week that was wrong. I said that 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, it was a long time that they were written like apart. It's not. It was like two or three years. So Michael, I, I we're going to have to kick you off the podcast. I, I know. Sorry. So this one is my last merit one. Issue. <laughs> <laughs> but that's important to note. And the reason why is that, that in a short period of time, Paul had actually written the, the Corinthians four letters. Right, A, B, C, and D. We we still have record of, of what we call First Corinthians and Second Corinthians. So, so Paul has written these guys. You know, this is his going on his fourth time. He's already visited them twice. He had planned a third one, and he got so mad at them that he decided not to go. Right. So, Paul, I think he finally gets a little bit of attitude at, at this <laughs> at this point. And granted, he probably should because you know, these guys are having. They're just really not doing the right things, and plus they've got these, these like false prophets that that are coming and talking. And so Paul's got to call them super apostles or something. Yeah, like that. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is laced yeah, with something sarcasm. Out of Marvel. Dun, da, da, da. This is laced with Jesus sarcasm. More than you. It's crazy. <laughs> so let, what I want to do is I want to read into because you know how these these chapters they weren't originally given numbers. We added those later. So I want to start off in the middle here of chapter 11, and I want to read I want to read it with what I think. Paul's attitude may have sounded like because I'm sure our, our dwell app, which these, it's, it's a great app, okay, <laughs> but I'm sure that they're going to present it nicely. Nicely, but I, I want to give you like the attitude that I can imagine Paul reading this, okay? So I want to go back real quick to 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 Second Corinthians chapter eleven, verse sixteen. He says, "I repeat, let no one think me foolish, not even if you do accept me as a fool, but so that I too may boast a little." What I'm saying is this, with this boastful confidence, I say not as a Lord, but as a fool. Since many will boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one, and I'm speaking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. Three times I was stoned. Or, no, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship. Through many a sleepless night and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? Who is made to fall? Am I not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of things that show my weakness. The Lord, 
the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, he is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Artus, Art, I can't say it, Artus, was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through the window in the hall and escaped his hands. So that's the end of the previous chapter, minus a couple of mistakes by me, right? <laughs> then we get into ch- the, to chapter 12. So I just wanted to perform that, right? <laughs> For you, because like, my goodness, Paul is dealing with some stuff. That's it. That's that's what that's what I got for the moment. Yeah, I love the passion, and I just kept thinking, like, what is that reminding me of? And all I could hear was at the end of it, you going, "Inconceivable!" (laughs) (laughs) Like that rant he goes on, you know? Oh yeah, from Princess Bride. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I know. (laughs) Wasn't he a Corinthian too? So I think he wasn't. Did he say he was a Corinthian? I don't know. Oh man, that's we might have to (laughs) Google that. Uh, so, So when you were reading all of those things. I don't know why I thought about this, but you know there's those things on Facebook where people try to put out how much money they have for all the bad things that they've done, and they have like a list of <laughs> oh, all yeah, these yeah, things. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I was like, like, I was like, like hearing like this cha-chings of all these things that Paul has done, you know, $30 <laughs> for this, $30, you know, and all those uh, five times, those three times that he got stoned, too. Uh, I went a whole different direction. I'm that sorry. That, that, that was one time that he got stoned, and it was three times something else, but you get it's the like idea. one time in college. and then, uh, yeah. like, Stoning was something totally different back then. Yeah, it really was. Um, anyway. <laughs> but, um, we digress. So on a completely different energy level, yes. um, we will go into 2 Corinthians 12 now with the Dwell app. So here it is. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I have been a fool. You forced me to it, for I ought to have been commended by you. For I was not at all inferior to these super-apostles, even though I am nothing. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience 
with signs and wonders and mighty works. For in what were you less favored than the rest of the churches, except that I myself did not burden you? Forgive me this wrong. Here for the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less? But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? I urged Titus to go and sent the brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? Did we not act in the same spirit? Did we not take the same steps? Have you been thinking all along that we have been defending ourselves to you? It is in the sight of God that we have been speaking in Christ, and all for your upbuilding, beloved. For I fear that perhaps when I come, I may find you not as I wish, and that you may find me not as you wish, that perhaps there may be quarreling, jealousy, anger, hostility, slander, gossip, conceit, and disorder. I fear that when I come again, my God may humble me before you, and I may have to mourn over many of those who sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual immorality, and sensuality that they have practiced. All right, so that was our reading for today. And the one thing that I want to ask you guys is um, the thing that really stood out to me. He says in uh, verse 16, But granting that I myself did not burden you, I was crafty, you say, and got the better of you by deceit. Did I take advantage of you through any of those whom I sent to you? So what exactly happened there? Like, what do they think that he did to them? Why are they thinking that he's crafty and dishonest and pulling, basically pulling some shady stuff? Like, what, what happened? Do we know? I think that if you, if you go back into the previous chapters, what we're seeing is, um, <laughs> you know, that there were these other <laughs> super apostles, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These other people that were claiming to be something. And apparently, if they're believing this, this conflicting message— Gotcha. Then they're assuming that that Paul must be. I mean, and, and I think Paul's speaking with a bit of sarcasm here. You know, like like I said earlier, maybe a bit of attitude. You right. know, and he's and he's like, "Well, so so you think that I was speaking with deceit? You think I was lying to you? Yeah. You know, so I think that's kind of what's going on. These other folks are preaching, and and he's like, guys, you know, come on, you think I was lying to you? Yeah. I mean, what, uh, what do you think, Daniel? Is it? No, I think it's a slander thing. Uh, so I think that there's there's so much. Um, I guess, uh, conflict in the Corinthian church between uh, these differing messages of the gospel. And we say, we see it in the book of Galatians 2, where Paul is really up in arms about a conflicting gospel. And, and I think there's just this uh, marriage that—or not marriage, but there's this kind of mixing that can happen with uh, previous religious uh, systems, previous religious kind of layouts, and the gospel. And so when it came in, like, it, the people would adapt different things to it. And so— right. 
if people would believe the adapted version of the gospel, then they would think that Paul was either deceiving them or leading in, in them in a wrong direction. But I think what's really good here is that he doesn't necessarily try to win them over by just saying another argument. He really wins them over by his actions. He's like, did I burden you, though? You know, like right. these guys are doing. These guys are going to be burdening you. And and I think that's what we'll see a lot in um, in in false gospel or false gospel presentations is that they're very burdensome and they're very much about uh, a taking kind of thing because it's a power struggle. It's, a, it's something that you, you're convincing people because you want something from them. And so that's why you're giving them a false gospel. It's not yeah. out of altruism or out of love for the other person. It's really because you want uh, something from them. And so that's why he's saying, yes, you, know, you may think that I lied to you, but did I do these other things? Did I burden right. you with these things? Instead, I, I treated you with love and I treated you and I think that's where, um, when you've got some of those conflicting, like different gospel presentations, mm-hmm. if one is less is less about the burden and more about the love of the people, then I think you're going to get closer and closer to the heart of Christ than you are necessarily with one that's about uh, personal gain. Yeah. yeah, and I I say too, <clears throat> not just his actions in this time, but I think this really drives home the importance of having character, mm-hmm. uh, because his actions in this time tied with who they already knew him to be over their history of experience with him, um, I think is probably really what, what helped drive it home and help him come out as the victor in this argument because people kind of went, oh, yeah, that's well, not and who that's, you are. And that's what a lot of a lot of Second Corinthians is kind of an argument. I mean, this is the backdrop of, of at least half of this book or this mm-hmm. letter is, is Paul is telling these people, this is my resume, guys. You know, this is who I am. You know, and that's that's got to be a weird thing for Paul because he's not like a, a boastful guy, mm-hmm. but he's having to establish, look, guys, this is the reason why you should follow what I'm saying because, you know, I've got a resume. I, I've, I've backed this stuff up with action. Jesus is with me. The Holy Spirit is working through me, and here's the things that we're doing. What about these jokers that are coming to your to your church and, and preaching and taking your money? So, I, I, and like I, when I read it kind of angrily, I think Paul's upset here, mm-hmm. and he should be. You know? and, and I think that anger is, is justified, too, because yeah. it's, it's an anger out of love, because he's not, he's not angry because you know, he's not getting his way or they're not believing him. He's angry because they're falling away from the gospel, and they're falling, and they're entrapped in sin. He ends it like with, like, man, like, I don't, I, I'm going to mourn because you guys haven't repented of mm-hmm. your sin. You haven't turned away from this. And so, and so I think that that's... Um, that anger is really about the well-being of them, and and I think that's a similar to we we use the term like righteous anger, mm-hmm. um, especially when you see like the character nature of God, you see anger kind of come up, and you usually are like, wait a second, is how's God perfect and full of love and still angry? And I think that we need to understand that a love and anger are not opposites. You know, love and indifference are opposites. Yes. If if you don't love somebody, you are indifferent to them. If you love somebody, it's actually very common to get angry or frustrated if that person continues to make poor choices or they're going down wrong paths or something bad happens to them. That's going to make you mad because of your great love for them. And so I think that that's kind of a, uh, when we see Paul in the stage, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different in the tone that he writes his letters. Although I think sometimes he recognizes that because he talks about how his letters are so much stronger, but he's so we- much weaker in person, <laughs> you know? And so he has, I think he, he understands that he maybe has a little bit of this persona, but, um, but anyways, it's still, it's not that he is, 
is sinning in this anger. It's really, or that he's like trying to make himself seem arrogant by boasting in this thing. He's really just trying to convey to them, like, I want you to abandon this thought that you need to follow these, the best of the best, these super apostles and follow Jesus and imitate me as I follow Jesus. Super apostles. Dun, da, da, dun. I know. I feel like they need to have like rings and like with our theology combined, we make <laughs> super apostles, you know? Yeah. And it comes out of a green mullet, you know? <laughs> Why a green mullet, Daniel? What's, what's going Captain on in Planet. Captain Planet. Hey, come oh, on. Man. I was building up to wow. that with... <laughs> Everybody, and I, and I just I just made that go. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> well, Sorry, everybody know? loves Paul with his heart. Heart, you know. <laughs> I think yeah. a lot of this stuff though is is sarcasm and humor too. Yeah, with Paul, because I mean, some of these questions he's asking and the stuff that he says, it's kind of funny, mm-hmm. and and he's being kind of like angry and sarcastic, and 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 I just the reason why I bring this out is, um, <laughs> this is real. Mm-hmm. Like, this is an actual letter that Paul sent to actual people with actual emotion. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the, the reason why I, I want to mention that is we have this actuality today. We have we have these pastors like Daniel, you know, that that if Daniel comes, and Daniel's not this kind of guy, but I mean, if Daniel comes comes to, gets behind the pulpit, and he preaches with some passion, right? And, uh, and it gets mistaken for anger, or maybe it is anger, and it's righteous. I think as those of us in the congregation should have a little bit of patience mm-hmm. and have a little bit of understanding because there are times when we need to hear a stern message. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes stern messages stir up our hearts and convict us of sin and, and cause response. So there's nothing wrong with being stern. Now, I don't think we should beat each other over the head all the time. With, no, just beat each other over the head with the Bible. But um, but a, there's there's a time for a stern message, and I think for Paul this was the time. Sure. And I think um, a good tell or a good thing to note here is that emotions are God given. God gives us emotions. Um, they're a part. They're a piece of His nature. You know, mm-hmm. you see God have emotional responses. You see God loving. You see God angry. You see God sorrowful. You know, you grieve the Holy Spirit. So there's there's aspects of emotions that are that are built in us, given by God. But I think emotions are really important for us to understand because emotions are smoke to a fire. A lot of times you you really need to figure out what's going on behind those emotions. And so Paul's angry here, but he's angry here out of great, great love for the Corinthian church. And I think that then we could either say, okay, then anger is okay, but that's not necessarily the case because anger that's motivated by selfish intention or by malice or by bitterness or unforgiveness is really bad anger and it's ugly anger, you know? And so you have to, we have to take an account when we're looking at not only Paul's, but our, even our own life of what's going to, what's going behind the emotions, what's going behind what's going on here. And, and I think that Paul is, he kind of slows down a little bit when he starts talking about his weakness, and he starts talking about how um, how he has this thing that's kind of that's that's burdening or a thorn in his flesh. And I think that's where he kind of exposes a little bit of his heart, and he exposes a little bit of kind of what's going on behind the scenes. And so it's not that he's motivated here out of selfish gain; he's motivated in that Christ's strength will come through in his weakness. And, and so I think that that's. 
always telling for us. We need to, if we have an emotional response, it's always good to ask the why question and keep on going down to understand why am I angry here? Am I angry here because I love my children so much and I want to see them succeed. I want to see them like do well in life. And so, you know, you discipline them or, you know, I I love the Bengals so much. And so I get so angry every time they disappoint (laughs) me and stuff like that. And then like, you can kind of see that there's like, you can see that there's almost like times where anger gets a little irrational, especially when it's not based on anything of, of value. But Daniel, I love the Bengals. <laughs> I just want them to do well, you know? <laughs> I will say verse 10 is beautiful um, when he's speaking specifically about that. Um, the strength that comes in the weakness and the strength that it proves of who he is for him to have accepted this because he understands who Christ is and who we are in him. It says, For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I mean, do you know how hard it is to be content with hardships and not complain about them? Mm-hmm. Content with persecutions and calamities? No, but weaknesses. Paul does. I know, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that's a beautiful, there's so much packed in that one little one little thing he said yeah. right there. Um, the other one that I would love to get to that stood out for me from the chapter um, that ties into some of the stuff that we spoke about in previous podcasts over the last few weeks, Paul's visions and his thorn is what this is yeah. titled at the beginning. Uh, very, at the very beginning, I feel like we have to touch on it. He says, I must go on boasting. Though uh, there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. First of all, We'll have to get into what the third heaven is because that's probably confusing for people. Um, But then whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. But that goes into possible spiritual giftings. I mean, this guy obviously had a vision and Paul believes wholeheartedly that this happened to this man. And we've been talking about needing to talk more about and expand more upon visions and prophecy and things like that so that people are more comfortable with it. Right. So I think it would benefit us to go into this if you guys are okay with that. Sure. Well, I'll, I'll first talk the uh, the boring part, and I'll let Daniel have the fun part. <laughs> what the, the third heaven. All right, so the Bible's not exactly a science book, okay? Um, because what we see these authors do is they talk about this is a metaphor. They, they talk about metaphors based upon what they know. Okay. Yeah. So when he says the third heaven, Paul and others at this time are picturing and, and people before them, like all the way back through Moses and all these folks, they're picturing the, the earth like a snow globe. Are right, they picturing a flat earth? And, and believe me, there's actually people that still believe this today. They think that like, that the whole like round earth thing is like a conspiracy. Yeah, and it's on the rise. Go right now. go look that up. That's a fun one. Blows the flat mind. earth theory. But anyway, <laughs> they believe that the, that the earth was like a snow globe. Like there was this flat bottom and there was this, this dome. So inside the dome is like the first heavens, like our atmosphere, right? Now, they actually believe that there was water above that. Like it was, it was kind of sealed and there was almost like an ocean in the air. That's, of course, where we get the rain from, right? <laughs> and that's the reason why the sky is blue. So... Above that atmosphere is like the cosmos, right? Space. And uh, that, that's like the unknown. And that's like the second heavens, just whatever's, whatever's out there that we can't see. Yeah. And then um, you have the third heaven, which is heaven proper, like the throne of, of, of God, right? Yeah. So you have the atmosphere heaven, you have the cosmos heaven, 
<laughs> I wish people could see. I'm talking with my hands. <laughs> the poor people in the podcast are like, I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but but there, there's the atmosphere heaven. There's the the cosmic, you know, um, heavens, and then there's the actual heaven, like where God re, um, where God lives, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So that's the science part. So that's the boring part. Now I think maybe Daniel can get to the fun vision part of it. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So I think that with the uh, with visions and revelations, uh, we have to. That, that just trickles down and does something that is spiritual. You know, we're, we're stepping into a realm of spiritual, and, and I think there's there's times when we can we can see things. We can see things that may just seem kind of outside of our situation, whether it's in a dream or it's in like a daydream or a vision. Uh, we see something that is that is that is not necessarily our present reality, and we get things like deja vu from it and different stuff like that. And we also have the revelation of Jesus uh, in the book of Revelation uh, that uh, John has. And so I think that that, that all has to do with spiritual gifting. And I think that some there's always going to be things in the spiritual world that are going to be unseen. And God in his giftings and God in his uh, allowance and permission, he allows people to see some things that are unseen uh, for the benefit of his glory and for the people that are around him. Mm-hmm. I think about the story is it's Elisha, right? Where... Is it Elisha or Elijah? I get them too confused. Well, I, we we yeah. got to hear the story first. <laughs> where, where, there you go. Where he's standing there and his servant steps out and he sees the army that's surrounding them. And uh, he's like terrified. And Elijah's like totally calm. And he goes out there and he says, Lord, give him eyes to see what I see. And he then he sees heaven's armies that are completely surrounding uh, the uh, the army that's there. And so that's where he got a glimpse of the unseen. He got a vision of what was spiritually going on around there. And so and I think that, that that's very important for us to take note of when it comes to that, because when it comes to something like that, that's an opportunity that the Holy Spirit uh, is giving us uh, just clarity into something that's going on into the spiritual world. And so was this guy, you know, a super apostle. I don't know. We don't know anything about it. He's just a man uh, uh, in Christ. But this is what happened. And Paul believes that this is what happened. And I'm sure in that moment and in that time, it was for the benefit of the church and for the people around him and for the glory of God. And so you can always know that if there's that those giftings and those things are going to happen just like tongues is, just like prophecy is, all of that stuff is going to happen for the glory of God and for the benefit of others around. And so I think that's where whenever we get something that feels supernatural like that, it's, it's, it's God and it's God gifting us for his purposes. And another thing with that, again, looking at chapter 11 into chapter 12, you know, Paul basically had just gone on this tirade, right. And, and kind of what he would call foolishly boasting. I think this is kind of a bit of a transition between him talking about himself somewhat sarcastically, somewhat seriously trying to broach the subject. And then, then he says, like, hey, you know, I know a guy. <laughs> you know, I, I know a guy that went to the third heaven. And I don't know if he went to the third heaven in the body or, like, by a spirit or what. I mean, God knows. But, and then he starts talking about his weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So I think he uses this as a transition. And the reason why is he's saying that there are people that are greater than me. There are people that have done even more than I have, right? Mm-hmm. But instead of, but I guess his point really is instead of just being proud and boastful because the Corinthian people, that was one of their sins. They were proud and boastful. And that's the reason why Paul kind of goes through this sarcastic tirade. And then he's like, hey, and there's guys that are even better than me. However, if I'm going to really boast, I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So, that, so then Paul gets real. I think, this, I think if, if you were hearing him dictate this, I think this is where Paul slows down. Mm-hmm. I think this is where Paul you know, speaks clearly, lowers his voice, and says, guys, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in my weakness. 
So I think I think that's all, all that is. It's a transition, saying that there are people that are even greater than me, but I'm going to boast about my weakness. Yeah, and there's wisdom in that too for the fact that he doesn't point out their weaknesses. He points out his own, knowing yes. that it's going to make them examine themselves and listening to his. At least that's what happens to me when people do that. Mm-hmm. If people are up, you know, if somebody's up giving the message on Sunday morning and they talk about their weaknesses, it automatically makes me think, oh, I need to examine myself too, you know. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. All right, but let's get real for a second. I mean, I'm not Have we not, not been real. getting real? No, Michael? no, no. I, I got all I, been fake. I, I got to hear the opinions because everybody wants to know this. Paul talks about thorn in the flesh, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't name it. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think it is? I think it's an actual thorn that he can't get out of his flesh. <laughs> no, uh, he was pruning his bushes. Yeah, earlier. he was like, I have a theory too, but I want to hear. Um, I think, and truthfully, you know, it's just from my personal experience. I think his biggest thorn that he fought with his whole life was the persecution of the Christian church before he became a Christian. I think that he had to live with that, you know. So I don't know though. What do you think it is? That could be like a little bit of post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. I, my thought process, and this is just a theory, right? We see that he has a, he has scribes write his letters. Now, look, John probably had scribes write his letters too, because John probably couldn't write. And he probably couldn't read. Mm-hmm. Paul wasn't that way. Paul was an educated guy, right? Paul was kind of a you know, whoop de doo for lack of better words. Well, I like was, that. A was he a Pharisee? Yeah. Well, he was. His he had Roman citizenship because it's like his grandfather was a soldier, so he had like he had a lot of things going for him, and he had an education. So, the point is, is that um, you know Paul could write, but he has a scribe. If you can write, why do you have a scribe? It's not like he's rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's suffering, and, and he's having to take. He's trying not. To, he's he's working as a tent maker to just make ends meet. So it's not like he he's got a scribe because he's just some some fancy well to do guy. He's got a scribe, I think, because he's he's either blind or very close to blind. Mm-hmm. And, and then you see at, at the end of his, some of his letters, he's like, and I, you can see this really big writing and you can tell that this is me. So uh, and that, that's my theory. Yeah, that's the, that's the theory that I have, too, is that it's it's a it's a it's an eyesight thing. And that hinders him. And that's seen as a uh, I mean, in that culture, that's also seen as a weakness. It's seen as a, a curse. It's seen as a sin. It's seen as uh, like even the man that's born blind. Uh, the disciples asked Jesus, you know, was it his sin or his parents' sin that he's born blind? Mm. People view that as some sort of, like, sin problem. You're blind because you have a sin problem. And I think... You're getting punished. Yeah, and I I think maybe he probably feels like that is is something that's hindering him. That's something that's hindering not only his his message, his presentation, but also his ability to to share the gospel. But, uh, But I think that that's the beauty of it is that... And, and I guess the crazy thing is that he pleads with the Lord. I mean, he yeah. pleads three times with the Lord, like, take this away. Please take this away. And the Lord's like, no, yeah. no. Hmm. You know, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in, in weakness. Yeah. And and that, to me, is, is so powerful. It's so powerful because that's us. Because, I mean, we, we have things that we carry. There's things that we have that are weaknesses and that we would love for the Lord to just smooth over and love to make us, like, be this completely well-rounded person. And and it's almost like God's like, no, you know, you're going to have weakness. You're going to have weakness, but because of your weakness, you're going to experience. I love it because he said, I will boast all the more gladly my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so in his weaknesses, he realizes that he's seeing Christ's resurrection power that is that is he's seeing that in his life 
And I, and I think so we, we can want always the best. We can always want the easiest life. We can always want the most comfortable situation. But Paul is saying here that actually there, there's better, it's better to be content than to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's better to be content in your circumstances and to be content in the weakness and be content in the insults and the hardships. Because I feel like when we do that, then we entrust everything over to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about Jesus when he was at, when when he was um, when it says that he was insults were hurled at him, that he didn't fight back, but instead he entrusted his case to the Lord, who always judges fairly. And I think when you're, we get so discontent in our culture, and we are so easily on a fence when it comes to insults. You know, it's so much about how we're perceived, yeah. who, what people think of us, what they're saying about us. Oh, somebody said that about you. Oh, you need to go do something. You know, like, I mean, like we'll get so puffed up. That's another situation where you guys needed to see that. Yeah. You, you did, see that, you the, see the that movement little, that Daniel the, just made. I just did some <laughs> sass, some apostle sass, right. That we just heard from Michael. Um, no, you didn't. That's right. But, uh, but, it, but like, that's, that's so much a part of us. It's like, we don't, that's part of our identity and that we want people to think always the best of us and we want to always put the best forward. And if somebody's slandering us, then that's a mission for us to make that wrong right. And Paul's not even just dealing with that. He doesn't even worry about that. He's just content with whatever that is because he's content that Christ's power is going to come through. And I love it because it kind of circles back to all the things that he talks about at the end. He says, I didn't burden you, and it wasn't because, or I didn't need to defend. He didn't need to defend his apostleship. He didn't need to defend his wisdom at all. He just said, look at the way I treated you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, that's going to speak for itself. I got another thought throughout there. <laughs> I think uh, I think Brent might, might be right as well. This might be a both and instead of an either or. <clears throat> yeah. And the reason why I say that is if you think about what Paul was doing before he converted— Excuse me. Paul was persecuting Christians, and then when 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 God stops Paul, what happens? You guys remember? He's blinded by the light, and he has to have he's blinded for for a few days, and and then scales have to fall off of his eyes. Um, maybe he's you know at least partially blind, and that's a constant reminder of who he was. Mm. So he might be dealing with that constant reminder of that's who he was. Deep. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we, we might both be right on that one. Wow. Mm-hmm. But, but like what Daniel was saying, kind of tying it all together, that reminder should also remind him of the grace that he's been given. Mm-hmm. Because, yes, this is who he was, but look who God has made him into now. And I think that's the reason why he talks about boasting in his weaknesses. Because his weaknesses, you know, God, God uses his weaknesses to show God's own strength. And God uses Paul even though he's not perfect. And and I think the application there is that God can use us even though we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Even though we have our, our hang-ups and our, and our addictions and our problems, God loves us and can use us too. Yeah. Well, you see that thread all throughout this book. I mean, when uh, God is the source of all comfort, or the letter, I should say, God's the source of all comfort, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're fragile clay jars with this amazing treasure in it, you know, uh, chapter 4. Um, that, you know, Christ's love compels us. We don't look at people the same way that we used to. We used to look at Christ this way. Now we don't look at other people the same way. And it's all kind of building up off of this kind of perception that that whatever it is, like, God is going to use it. God is going to use it for His glory, you know? So I think that, that contentment has to be so important because if you're discontent, 
then you're just going to be angry at God and angry at your situation, and you're going to fail. I think that like, turns into like a block that God is not able to to use you in that situation because you're so you're discontent, you know. And and so that's why I think contentment is, and that's why even in Philippians, Paul talks about like. Uh, all the things that he went through, but uh, Philippians chapter 4, and we use this all the time, it's I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? And we use that as kind of like a banner to like, these are the things that I can do. And Paul is actually saying, I can be content because I found the secret to living in every situation, whether I have a lot or, or anything, I can be content because of Christ, because it's Christ who gives me strength. And so I think that that's... Um, that's a great takeaway to know that when we have that perspective, that Christ is the one that works in our weakness, that gives us the power over our weakness, that uses our weakness, that uses our cracks in our lives. It, it really is. That is the secret of living in every situation. So if you have a lot or you have none, that's okay. You can be content. If you uh, are slandered or you're praised, be content. Mm-hmm. You know, if things are going well or things are going really bad, be content. You know, and, and I think that that's the secret way of living because Christ is the one that gives us strength to face the hard things and gives us the strength to stay humble in the good things. Yeah. Amen, brother. Yeah. Uh, Michael's going to pray us out today. Sure. If you would, please. Under Heavenly Father, we, uh, we first, we just thank you for your, for your word. We thank you for Paul and we thank you for him sharing his, his frustrations and his weaknesses and his boastings. And, and we thank you that, uh, those, some of these things are, you know, a couple thousand years ago we can relate to some of it and, and we can kind of see ourselves in it because we have our weaknesses. We have our failings. So, so Lord, our, our prayer is that through our failures and our weaknesses, that you could be glorified just like, like you were glorified through Paul's work. Lord, and I ask that you would just grant us forgiveness and help us to forgive ourselves to, so we can see these things in the light of Christ. But Lord, um, I ask that you would bless this week. And, uh, and help us to, uh, to, again, to learn these things and to apply these things and just make our week better. We love you. We thank you for all these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, guys and girls, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, I wanted to bring up real quick, too, that we do know that there are guys and girls out there listening. I know we get pretty male-heavy on this uh, podcast because it's just three of us guys, and we don't have a whole lot of guests uh, through this period. But if there are any women out there within our church body that would um, like to come on, be a guest, be a part of this discussion, uh, we would love to have you on here with us. So um, anybody out there, uh, you know. Come. Yeah, because Daniel's really tired of wearing a dress every time. It's yeah, so it's, awkward. It's, yeah. <laughs> just doesn't quite fit right now. All right. So anyway, maybe just reach out to me, and uh, <laughs> we'll get you guys on here. So um, anyway, we will talk to you guys next week.